0: It's the most subtle, gay-affirming movie of 2012, if you don't count Magic Mike. We're talking Paranorman on today's... We're not affiliated with... Netflix. Welcome to KidFlix, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off and ride a dirt bike in a circle on your cul de sac for 45 minutes. My guest today, he's a returning guest. You know him, you love him. He is Philadelphia's leading expert on breakfast sandwiches. It's Neil Barnum. Hey, hey, how's Neil? It going, Ross? What's up? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh, um, you know, sweating in the basement yeah yeah <laughs> that is gonna be the title of the chapter in the history books about uh, the coronavirus. <laughs> it's terrible. It's also terrible. No oh, it's so much fun. God, now now we have all this free time and we're all being very efficient with our time and we all have so many new skills and hobbies now, right? I, I, something like that. Uh, I, I did
1: realize probably four or five months ago now, how much time I lost to public transit and waiting for lifts and just being in motion between things. (laughs) Um, And it's not like I've reclaimed that time exactly, but it's um, no longer disappearing into transportation. uh,
0: It's very very appropriate that we're talking about that. You're mentioning that on a podcast because my daily commute to and from work is when I would listen to podcasts. So now I'm just like, (laughs) okay, if I'm I'm just going to, now I just sit quietly in my apartment (laughs) and listen to podcasts, which Feels uh, serial killer like. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, and there's uh, probably a bunch of ways that you could more uh, more steadily recreate the public transit experience. So I'm, I'm imagining like you've got your podcast with your, your earbuds in and then you've got a monitor up that shows like, a POV <laughs> camera of a bus or something like that.
0: Yeah, and Um, I'm like trying to eat a kind bar while not making eye contact with anybody. (laughs) And then I'm like, I guess I'm just holding this wrapper for another 20 minutes. Yeah,
1: great. And then you're sniffing around and you're like, it smells like bubble gum and yet also human bodies. How is that possible?
0: (laughs) Well, here's the thing I miss the most about riding the bus is um, I would have my headphones in and if I heard somebody having a very juicy phone call, I would obviously uh, stop playing my music or my podcast and I would just listen to them, but pretend that I wasn't. And I remember hearing somebody on the bus and this was right before the pandemic, I think um, he was threatening this guy on the phone for the entire trip and he kept saying that like uh, just things about like how your your kids are gonna grow out without a father and it was uh it was no fun uh, but and then we all did what we would do in that situation on the bus right when he walked off we all looked at each other and just kind of went, huh <laughs> and <then> moved on <laughs> well
1: that's philly <laughs> a little yeah. like secondhand terrorism you know
0: yeah but we love her ah, so true so yeah true. what do you miss most about public transit neil
1: it, it really is the eavesdropping and and the people watching um that <laughs> you really hit on something where there's the sneaky oh i'm just muting my podcast and no, everybody assumes i'm still listening to music or whatever while intently uh directing your mental attention towards somebody else,
0: exactly um,
1: and uh, every now and then there's and by every now and then I mean two out of three rides. there's somebody where you're like, "What is going on here i I can't even begin to understand. Why you have a stack of newspapers and also 45 <laughs> orange juices but you're yelling at somebody who is not there. Like what is what is happening here?
0: It's like an Agatha Christie novel. Like okay, around <laughs> page 275 we're going to understand what these oranges and newspapers represent, but until then we are left out in the dark. Lord.
1: Yeah. The yeah.
0: one thing I won't miss though is I won't I I don't miss um like finagling with my uh like transit card because the uh, contactless tapping works one out of every 19 times.
1: Oh, yes. I, I wish I had it here in my site so I could describe it better. I got a new wallet for Christmas, and I was excited for it. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm a big boy now. Uh, and it's something like I keep my septic key in what I thought was an RFID pass-through pouch, but it's actually a blocker. But there's no other good place to keep it in the wallet, so I have yeah. to still pull it out every time. And at that point, it's like, why even? Why even play this game? Why don't I just pay cash?
0: Neil, I went through the exact same thing as you did over the holiday season. What? I what? bought, I bought like a, a money clip because I thought, like, oh, if uh. I'm just running to work and home, I really only need my my uh, transit pass and like my work ID to get into the building. Mm-hmm. So i thought oh i can just put this on the clip and it was rfid blocking so i had ah. to go through customer service for this wallet that i wanted and was like <laughs> oh, does this does this have rfid and they're like no uh, but this one does and i'm like cool i want the one that doesn't have rfid Speaking bless those of, customer service people yeah they're bless them uh because i've had to talk to too many to be like is everything okay with my account and yeah. it always is um I, uh, speaking of account, a yeah. cult, paranormal. Oh. Wow, wow, wow. You did it. Thank you. I am sweating uh, just for that reason. Um, so th- this is a, a rare instance on the podcast. But um, so uh, usually I ask the guest to pick a movie. And I, I believe last time you were on, you chose uh, the Blues Brothers movie to watch. Um, so this time I asked you if you just had any interest in watching this movie. Um, so do you, did you, have you seen this movie before? Did you have any sort of relationship or idea as to what it was?
1: Zero relationship to it. I could not have told you that this movie existed before our con- first conversation about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those movies that, so this is uh, a movie by Laika, uh, which is the people that did, uh, Coraline, they did Missing Link a few years ago. Kudo, Kubo and the Two Strings, mm. um, so like they're they're a relatively well renowned uh, studio, and uh, I remember people have been talking about this a lot in a very hush hush way of like the movie's really good. It turns into something that you don't really expect it to be. And uh, I figured, cool, I want to watch it, but I also want to get uh, bankable content out of it. And <laughs> luckily, I, we, I had been meaning to have you back on the podcast for a while, and this oh, one just you. kind of like fell into uh, my lap. Um, but do you do you have any sort of affinity for just stop motion movies in general?
1: I guess, yes, but not a deep one. Uh, it took me a second to figure out what was going on with the animation (laughs) slash creation at all. Um, My wife turned to me and she said, is this claymation? And I was like, I don't think so. Things seem a little too detailed. So I don't understand any of the technology of it, but um, I was happy to figure out, oh, right. They also did Coraline because I remember seeing that in, in theaters and thinking it was just such a beautiful, beautiful film.
0: Yeah. Um, And this movie definitely has a similar level. It was like very stylistic, but also just like, really nice to look at except for like gross (sighs) stuff with bugs there
1: were there were so many details throughout and I I wrote down a number of them but I couldn't keep up those in some places they'd be like throwaway gags and other places they're little easter eggs Uh, but it's just it's an incredibly rich environment visually that goes uh, just above and beyond what they needed to do for the story I think Mm -hmm. Um, but made the world so much more real and enjoyable
0: Yeah. And it's kind of the level of detail. It's, it's something that you would expect from like a live action movie or even like something computer animated, because it's like, you know, you're already working on this. If you're building things from scratch, of course you would put this stuff in the background. But uh, because I mean, stop motion is such a labor intensive process. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you definitely don't have to like when I, when I was little, um, I had this computer program that would make stop motion. Like it would help you make stop motion. And oh my god it's such a bitch it sucks it's no fun to do like it's fun to play with stuff but like it takes you four hours to have like a stuffed animal like walk across your Uh, bed or something yeah Yeah. that's totally Um, i mean i wouldn't say it's not worth it like anytime i see a claymation movie i'm just like even if it's garbage it just looks great
1: yeah and you're reminded of the fact that like it's not just one person with one computer but it's a ridiculous team uh, doing a giant project together, and you think they're able to do what?
0: Yeah. And also, this movie was released in 3D, which means that they oh. had to film stop motion 3D. So, what they did, I found this little fun fact is that they had the camera on a little slider. So, they would take the frame and then they would just like push it to the other end to take another frame. And that's mm-hmm. just how they did Neat. the 3D. It's like not doing it uh, after the fact or like a digital half-assed one, like the Leica people go all out. Cool. Very cool. Well, thank you. (laughs) Call me Leica Um, because you like it. Um, So this is a, it's a story as old as time. It's uh, this boy, Norman, who is kind of a loner uh, because uh, to quote our dear friend, Haley Joel Osment, he sees dead people and it's just kind of his life. Like he's not phased by it and uh everybody around him just kind of ostracizes him because they're like they don't believe him and they mm-hmm. just kind of call him a freak uh were you considered a freak uh in school neil i was
1: i was a little weird at times for sure not not this level uh by any stretch of the imagination but you know i was a i was a bookish kid i was small um oh. i had some strange interests but um Ooh, like what Oh, yeah, you know, we're digging the, the, deep. The occult. Ah, uh, oh. no. um, I don't know. I I feel like I was just a little outside the mainstream. Um, yeah, this this feels like a topic for a giant other podcast about like growing up uh, as a yeah. kid in a <laughs> in a rural small town.
0: I'm mainly just doing like I'm just becoming Mark Maron a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> to tell me your Lauren story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like the, there's just something so sweet about norman like he i he's totally like kind of accepted that he's by himself and he's he just enjoys this life of just seeing all these different ghosts and just having he has like relationships with every single ghost in this town that he is is in
1: right he's at he's at peace with like his internal situation um, yeah in a way that i think a lot of other um heroes and narrators aren't Mm-hmm. Um, what what he's missing is social acceptance but he's not actively missing it
0: yeah and oh another thing i love about this is so um norman uh and the movie uh takes place in uh like a small town that's it's 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 like a tourist destination it's called uh Blythe hollow and so it's uh it's supposed to be i think some sort of new england town where like there were witch trials and so it's this whole infamous thing of like now it's haunted and stuff like that, but it's uh it's kind of like that fun trope of just people living in a tourist destination, so they're just completely unfazed by all of the weird shit around them. Yeah, it's a it's a fake Salem. But, Massachusetts. Yeah. But some would say that this is an even more real Salem because um there are ghosts everywhere and also as we learn throughout the movie, uh there was there was. It seems to be there was only one witch that was killed, and it was a, a little girl. And so, um, there the role of somebody like paranormal, someone who sees the dead, they have to read this witch girl a story every year so that she will go to sleep and not wreak uh, like havoc on the town and everybody that lives there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um it zooming out a bit it's a really messed up town identity which is oh one time we killed a child and now we turned it into pop culture and commercialism like that's yeah that's pretty bonkers and to be fair you know Salem kind of has the same thing Uh, but this is one child and like you're basing your whole town's deal off of that
0: yeah and I think this is kind of where the movie is really interesting because through, and we can talk a little bit later about what we think of like the lesson of this movie uh-huh, is uh-huh. exactly and what they're trying to pull out. But you see, like it's really interesting in this, in just this movie for kids that you see all of this kind of like cognitive dissonance and like this, this pride for um, this kind of weird, barbaric, crazy, creepy thing that happened 300 years ago. But then at the same time, when everything kind of uh, comes to blow everybody's like well that was crazy i can't like i can't believe that some people started that and like i just kind of got caught up in the moment yeah it's it's just a really interesting dynamic um like there's a lot of little moments in this movie that hint at that kind of theme like one of my one of my favorite lines that just was a throwaway um so the town (laughs) this is very much skipping ahead uh so these zombies come back to life the people that killed Uh, And convicted this little girl 300 years ago. They are zombies. They come back from the dead and it seems like they're haunting. And so a lot of townsfolk start hunting them down or like beating them up. And people have like rifles and stuff. And a cop says, What do you think you're doing shooting at civilians? That's the police's job to do. Yeah. Which, yeah. God, we keep talking about, we keep talking about escapism on this podcast and things just keep coming in that you're just like, Right, this is a thing that everybody knows about and talks about and just kind of accepts and it's like this movie is from what like 7 or 8 years ago and yeah uh it's it just keeps popping up like that yeah. it's 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 wild when we
1: when we get to the end I'll do an interesting like kind of tag connection to my my previous conflicts <laughs>
0: uh appearance oh because Uh, john goodman oh wait no john goodman was in blues brothers 2000 my mistake
1: you'll 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 know when we get to it okay (laughs) um but you you actually said something interesting that i wanted to raise which is so this is cast as a kid's movie and yet there are occasional references to sex and sexuality in a way that i really didn't expect um oh yeah like at the beginning uh grandma says to to norman um or somebody says to Norman, like, what are you watching? And he says, oh, sex and violence. And then later Alvin says there's an adult video store across the street. Um, And then the last thing where I was like, wait, what just happened here is you've got the character, Neil. uh, We'll talk about his name in a second. (laughs) Um, Neil is watching something on TV at home and his his brother says, are you, are you doing freeze frames on mom's workout video again? And he's, clearly doing exactly that in a way that is kind of age appropriate in terms of their bodies and so fun
0: yeah like middle school or something i would say and so it's it's that it's that phase of life where yeah it's it's not a a a thing of like oh like you know it's hot and aroused it's just like such curiosity and just like a biological like i just like this (laughs) speaks to me in some way Like, even when I was a kid, before I came out, I was just like, I know that this is supposed to be a thing, and I'm just like, huh, that huh. exists in my yep. periphery. Yep.
1: Um, but in a movie designed for kids, I feel like this this wouldn't have been in a Disney feature. I'm pretty sure Pixar films don't contain such, mm. uh, as This American Life says, references to the existence of sex. <laughs> um, but so yeah, that, that kind of stood out to me. Um, and, I don't know, felt well, Kind of refreshing, kind of uncomfortable,
0: well, you know I mean, I well, the uncomfortableness kind of makes sense because like it's it like this kind of unflinching way that preteens will kind of engage with like very graphic things, both violence wise mm-hmm. and like sex wise. It's just like, um, it's they just like need to understand and just like see examples to like build up a schema in their head of yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is the general idea of what's happening here and like i yeah exactly how you said it the way that they kind of are very innocently almost engaging with it and like Mm -hmm. even alvin like he's a little bit older probably like in puberty of some kind because he's like trying to like get girls to like him even his way of like showcasing like prowess and things like that it's very juvenile of like break dancing or like Touching a butt at one point But like yes. it's very juvenile
1: Yeah and I, I think In terms of the greater themes that this movie is bringing out Like kids are on the precipice of under These like early teens Are on the precipice of understanding how Their agency kind of fits Into the world mm-hmm. um, And they're simultaneously Expected to emotionally behave like Adults like that's a big messaging thing from his father About just how to be basically how to be A grown up inside himself uh, while at the same time people don't trust them because they're kids
0: um,
1: yeah yeah hmm. uh, wow we, we got that deep feels
0: so abstract today
1: yeah um i did mention i, I want to call out that this is a uh, a movie that has a character named neil which is very rare um <laughs> I, as a person named neil i noticed these things uh i don't know how it is for the rosses of the world
0: um it is dire <laughs>
1: dire dire Jeez. it's a,
0: it's a it's more of a common last name in a show or a movie but like yeah. a first name unless you're on friends uh and now because friends got so big now there can't be any other ross character ever oh. again
1: well uh the other Neil that i think of in pop culture is dead poet society uh which is i guess not a not a movie for children
0: Actually, I feel like it kind of people like you end up watching it as like a preteen or a teenager. Which again,
1: which kid uh, was Neil? Um, I, am I allowed to spoil the movie? Yes, he's he's the one who dies.
0: Oh, spoiler! Uh.
1: <laughs> if folks, if you haven't seen Dead Poets Society yet, wow, it is a 20th century classic, and you are behind. Let's just um. say that <clears throat> they
0: don't call it Dead Poet Society for nothing. <laughs> oh anyway about this paranormal thing yeah this paranormal guy um uh there's also uh, like um i usually don't do this when i'm watching the movies usually i'll just like write down just thoughts as i have them but there were just Mm -hmm. so many good quotes uh throughout this like um the uh norman's grandmother who he sees and like who lives in the house and like her she says that like she's not really going to like the other side or to heaven anytime soon because she promised that she would watch over norman yeah which was a very sweet thing and got me a little emotional but um she says there's nothing wrong with being scared as long as it doesn't change who you who are you which are. you can argue that that is kind of the through line uh of this movie especially when it comes to the end and we get this big confrontation between norman and the witch girl
1: yeah yeah um I wrote down throughout a bunch of things that I thought kind of held together as familiar tropes that kind of end up feeling familiar without being predictable. If okay. that makes sense. So, yeah. um, for instance, there's the uh, the, uh, the drama club teacher or however she is kind of considered in that world. Um, she's like the trunch the trunchbull from the trunchbull oh. from Matilda, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah but also reminds me of drama directors that I've experienced in in my time. Um, and it wasn't revealed until the night of the show that she'd written the play that they were putting on. Oh but my I just, God. You know, I just had that feeling. I was like, Oh, you just know, this is a, this is a homespun creation. <laughs> um, not something bigger. Um, what else did I have? Oh, Alvin himself, the bully. He's Mo from Calvin and Hobbes to me. Right, like he he looks so much like you are, Mo.
0: You are so right. I that may like that clicks a hundred percent. Like I, that's yeah. That's got that's got to be something.
1: And, and yet, like he's it's it's hard to peg peg him to other cartoon bullies. Even like I'm thinking, of, I don't know from Doug, and I don't have many other cartoon bullies in my head. But he's he's to me he's a very clearly this is an updated version of Mo and mm-hmm. and adults watching this of a certain age will understand it.
0: Well, cause um, it's what's also interesting about uh, Alvin as well as Mo and Calvin and Hobbes is that like, he looks like the same age and class as like the kids he's bullying. Cause so many mm-hmm. times in movies you see like some sort of like hunk or whatever. And he's just like, give me your lunch money and like throws the kid across the room. But it's like, he's just a little bit taller and more extroverted than Norman and Neil are. So it's just a matter yeah. of like, Slapping them out of the way and like, uh, just kind of taunting more than like actual fear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a brash confidence that's not horrendously violent, but is a bit, it's, it's bullying still.
0: Um, yeah. But also but- like they, I like that once things kind of get going and like the zombies come and stuff, like, it, like Alvin then relies on Norman and is like along for the ride 100%. Like it's not this thing of like, He's still like bullying him and just being like, "Nice going, idiot! You, mm-hmm. you like you tried to solve the mystery of the uh the whatever the zombies and it you fucked it up like yeah." He becomes immediately reliant uh, on Norman. Um, huh. Oh, scary paranormal hap- thing that happened in my apartment while I was watching this though. What? So yeah, I know. So now that we're talking about this part where Neil, or uh, sorry, where uh, Norman and Alvin are like starting to run from the zombies, um, right when they go into uh, Mr. Pendergast's um, house, so the, the guy that used to fend off the zombies and uh, Ghost Witch, mm-hmm. right when they go in the, the, his house and slam the door shut, uh, a seltzer fell off <gasps> uh, of the table. Oh uh, no! And I jumped. I stopped the movie. I had to figure out what was going on. <laughs> oh god! But boy, uh, it was quite a moment, and really drew me back into the, the movie <laughs> itself.
1: Uh, I didn't have anything like hap- like that happen um, uh-huh. while I was watching it. I'm, I'm happy to say, I guess. Um,
0: yeah. I, actually, you know what? That brings up this brings up something interesting. Are 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 you like a, a paranormal? Uh, Person, Like, do you enjoy looking into that stuff? Do you believe in it at all?
1: Uh, I would say I don't really believe in it. I'm curious about it because it does remind me that there's so many unexplained things in the world and that mm-hmm. um, technology doesn't do everything that we hope it would. Um, and at the same time that people's beliefs have so much power for them um, to either make sense of the world or um, sometimes to, to make things happen as well Um, you were asking earlier about like kind of who I was as a little kid and there's a literal coffee table book uh, originally printed by readers digest called like mysteries of the unexplained and it was the kind of thing that I would take out from the library when I was seven or eight or so and I would just read it cover to cover and it is the strangest little encyclopedia of coincidences conspiracy theories um, you know differences in bigfoot legends around the world uh and it was a cherished little part of my childhood that i didn't know that i needed until i don't know i was probably 25 or so and i came across it in a used bookstore and was like well this is the kind of thing i will pay any amount of money for so that i have it in my possession um, i think I, and,
0: I think if i remember correctly i think they like did a version of this on how i met your mother
1: because that would, I just that would make sense
0: There was an episode, because the uh, Jason Segel's character, Marshall, definitely is like a big paranormal uh, believer, and there was an episode where he's reading from this book of like Tales of the Unexplained or something like that, and he talks about uh, there was like a guy in like Iowa made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then on the exact other side of the globe, (laughs) uh, a guy in like Taiwan made a jelly (laughs) and peanut butter sandwich (laughs) at the exact same time, and it's just like... Uh. The, like coincidences exactly that you can just kind of like read into, uh, right. and just kind of maybe believe them.
1: Yeah. Um, the one that stood out to me as a, as a kid and still does, does today is the author of the book, um, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which was like a mid seventies self-help fiction kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, I think it was, I feel like it was popular for about two years. Uh, and I was just talking to my in-laws about it last week. Um, the author of that book was flying some incredibly rare airplane and he had to make an emergency landing somewhere and it happened to be in the lawn of somebody else who had that very rare airplane and it could provide him a spare part. And, you know, the odds just like didn't actually make sense because of how few of these airplanes there were um, and how many there could possibly be just like lying around. Um, But that was the sort of thing where I was like, well, that's nice. (laughs) <laughs> i i don't think that's a, a particular sign of anything like if my car is broken down and there's no pontiac dealerships nearby like what, what well, yeah, is the world of, supposed to be doing
0: it's also a thing that like like humans aren't great at understanding statistics and like actual odds because like there's the whole notion of like oh like the odds of flipping a coin and it landing on heads like five times in a row is like this likely and it's like well Technically, maybe, but also it's the same 50-50 chance whenever you throw a coin in the air. So, like, the odds really don't, it's not, like, this cra- grave impossibility.
1: <laughs> right,
0: right. And someone that spends a lot of time flipping coins, uh, I can attest to that. How much time do you spend flipping coins? Uh, a lot. <laughs> people, uh, some people flip houses, I flip <laughs> coins. <laughs> Also, wait, that reminds me. uh, Guys, if you have coins, uh, give them to the bank because we are in a national coin shortage right now.
1: Right. That's right. Uh, Difficulty level, getting yourself into a bank. Um, That's true. Not a thing I've been doing. Um, Here's a, here's a, yeah, two more, two more things less uh, connected than I want them to be. One back on the like familiar tropes is the owl that pops up. At one point as as a oh, single fire in the rehearsal. In the rehearsal. Um, and that's one of those delightful things where I'm like, I don't know where that came from, but you know, obviously it's in the Harry Potter world. I wanna say there's owls in Twin Peaks as well that are not what sure. they see That's
0: that's one I have not seen still. Oh. Um, I'll get to it.
1: Yeah. And then <laughs> totally unrelated note is will they explain? This is my question. I'm like, you know, twenty minutes in or so. Will they explain Norman's situation as a gift as some kind of like mental illness that needs to be medicated like his uncle seems to be or something else like it it kind of stood out to me as this could go any number of ways Mm -hmm. we have to make sense of it somehow um but what is the what is the angle going to be on it
0: Um, yeah like I i i felt unsure of that Yeah, I actually on a similar note, I wrote down like midway through the movie as a prediction of like, is this this going to be a movie about like perceptions and like maybe the zombies are actually like good and like they just want like they don't like aliens like they come in peace or whatever and (laughs) there would be some sort of aspect to that with Norman about how like people perceive him as weird but like his weirdness is a virtue and that kind of comes to fruition in a way. But yeah. I am glad that it didn't come it, like it seems to be that he just explained to uh, the witch when he gets into this final showdown with her of just like it's just a thing that I have like it's just who I am and uh, like he there's n- nobody tries to really fix him mm-hmm. in the movie like they're just kind of like what do you like why do you keep talking to things that aren't there but yeah. once they're at, at a certain point they're just like okay this is Norman's thing and Cool.
1: We'll, live, we'll all live with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably the worst part of this entire movie, I think, is mm-hmm. um, when Norman goes into his uncle's uh, house, Mr. Pendergast, right. and he died. Uh, and so this is why Norman has to kind of take on this responsibility of, like, calming down the witch and the zombies. Um, so he goes into the house, and he has to get this, like, storybook from his dead uncle and he grabs it finally and the dead body of the uncle falls yeah. on him ugh. and then licks him. Cause yep. like his, he's, a, he his has. Tongue rigor that was like, it was silly, but also like, ugh. cause also in that same scene, like a teddy bear, a teddy bear burst open and it was filled with moths. Ugh. And like, I'm, I don't like yucky things. Uh, I'm a clean person. Uh, I just took a shower <laughs> uh, and it's, it's just like those like little creepy crawly things like that. And just like, that was kind of gross. Like even the, like there was a bathroom scene and I thought that was fun and goofy, but uh, seeing a, a dead, dead body, a dead, dead middle-aged human. man unintentionally lick a child's face uh, was no good.
1: Yeah. In a, in a house that is very unclean uh, as we're led to believe. Um, yeah. ugh, men. Am yeah.
0: I right? They can't keep <laughs> anything clean. <laughs>
1: um,
0: Yeah. It's something that
1: I, I thought about a lot during this movie as like, what did I like in movies as a kid? And it wasn't. It certainly wasn't this. And I would have been pretty uncomfortable with the level of grotesque stuff and horror. Yeah, um, in this because like some of that is realistic. Like he he does touch a dead body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and if I was, I don't know, even a ten year old, probably ten year old me watching this would have been really unhappy.
0: Um, yeah. Well, I remember like that. W- I don't, I don't know if that was a thing that you kind of felt as a kid too, but like, I felt that like when I was maybe like eight or nine, I was like, oh, I'm I'm like a boy. So like, I, I'm I'm like really interested in gross stuff. Like I would read about gross stuff, but mm. like I couldn't visually see it, but I, I was yeah. like, oh, I, I should be into gross stuff. So I remember um, my uh, grandfather was in the hospital and we, he, uh, the nurse came in and like, he had to get some sort of like injection in his stomach for whatever reason. And so uh, the nurse was like, hey, if everybody wants to, like, file out for a minute or two just so I can take care of this. Mm. And I was like, no, I want to stay and watch. Oh, no, no. And I remember, like, he, like it wasn't terribly gruesome. It was he got, in, uh, like, a, a, an injection of some kind in the stomach, and he kind of winced and went, ooh. And I remember I burst into tears, and, like, my dad had to console oh. me for, like, ten minutes. Uh, so, yeah, I I'd probably... I probably wouldn't have, like, even though, honestly, if I was a kid, I probably would have laughed at this part, because I would have been, like, like, it's just so, like, weird that, like, this body, like, you know, flopped and stuff, and, like, Claymation has, like, a certain, like, wackiness to it, just in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, how everybody's kind of elastic in a way, kind of like a Looney Tune, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah, um, there's something else you just said in there about, like, oh, that you would have, like, laughed at it. I found myself laughing out loud very occasionally in this movie, which was also kind of uncomfortable where it's like, I I think I want a movie to be very much a comedy or very serious, but this kind of in between thing feels strange to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it's, it's funnier than a, like a Gilmore girls episode. Um, (laughs) But not not (laughs) as funny as airplane Um, (laughs) about that for a scale uh, for everything in the future. Um, But no, I was like, it's a little bit about like who I was as a kid. Like we were saying, like I, I didn't wouldn't have wanted to see this first movie, but then I realized as an adult, it it's this weird valley for me of what I'd like to see.
0: Um, yeah. It's interesting that you say that. Cause I think, uh, and I haven't watched Coraline since I watched it for this podcast, like two, two and a half years ago or something. And I feel like they had, I mean, partially cause it's by the same company, mm. but they have similar tones in that. Like there is some like, little sprinkles of humor in there but yeah the filmmakers clearly want to tell like a darker story but you know uh you you can't really go full darkness for kids like i mean mainly the comic relief is your namesake neil yeah like he one of my the line that really made me laugh is so uh uh mr pendergast is like talking to norman is kind of acting a little weird about saying that like he has to take over And like learn about the history of the witches and stuff. And Neil is like throwing his lunch, his packed lunch at him. And Neil says, Don't make me throw this hummus. It's spicy. Spicy. (laughs) And I'm like, that is such a good line. And like he also has a line before Norman goes, like, Oh, I I don't want to play. I like to be alone. And then Neil says, So do I. Let's do it together.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Neil is a, a great little character who you, you should feel very sp- lucky
0: that that's your namesake.
1: I, I agreed. Uh, you kind of want to see a off of like his life um, and how that's less less spooky, but still strange. Uh, yeah, to be him. Um,
0: <laughs> it's just like I, a version of one-hour photo with him, but it's just <laughs> workout videos. That he's taking stills.
1: Um, I made the note: uh, should should Neil have spicy hummus? Because earlier he says he has irritable bowel syndrome, and like yeah. I don't know his triggers, but like I was like, this is an interesting choice within his family
0: that also Uh, that didn't come to fruition at all true true it's it's weird because on the wikipedia page uh neil's character set like neil's uh like description on the characters and cast section is uh norman's overweight best friend who suffers from irritable bowel syndrome and like yeah that's it it's just like oh is that that's his other thing not like Oh, he's also a loner, or like he's supportive, or whatever. He plays hockey,
1: like any number of things. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, speaking of fleshed out characters, uh, can we talk about the the girl in their class whose name escapes me, and I thought I'd written it down.
0: She's oh, the Lisa G- Simpson character. Yes. Uh, her name is I, I. don't know. I'm looking at the Wikipedia to try to figure it out.
1: She has a she's a fruticello
0: unibrow. I noted that. Yes. Um. Oh. Um. Her name is salma salma Yeah. yeah, yeah. salma voiced salma. by hannah noise who does not have a wikipedia page oh well hannah
1: good for you for getting this role i hope you do more things in the future um if you're listening which i assume you are um uh salma so ha- at one point <laughs> she has a book that's it's called your first nuclear reactor
0: I just love that as a book title. Oh, sh- I somehow that. That's so good.
1: Um, God, the other book title I wrote down was um, when they're at the uncle's house. Uh, the Elegant Horse and Pony Encyclopedia. No explanation. Just this uncle also has that lying around. And there's Why like not? a
0: close-up on it. Like, keep that yeah. in mind. And it doesn't, yep. uh, doesn't mean anything. Yep. Oh, boy. Um, we oh we also haven't talked at all about um, the older siblings at all so we have oh, yeah. uh, so we have uh, Norman's older sister Anna Kendrick her, her name is Courtney mm-hmm. and uh, she's like very much characterized as like the classic like older sister of like you're embarrassing me and like you're yeah. so weird uh, but then at the end like she uh, gets the town to kind of listen to Norman and be like look he's weird and I don't get him but like he seems to know what he's doing so let's just let him do his thing
1: and and isn't it nice to see attractive young white women in america (laughs) being listened to i like come on folks
0: yeah um she also has the most glossy lips i've ever seen (laughs) it's unnecessarily
1: glossy (laughs) for this movie (laughs) what a a, how many how many hours of time were spent making sure the gloss was just right and Uh, you know what it it worked because we're talking about it and it it does do something for her character um, but it is it is a very funny detail.
0: Yeah. Uh and, and then you also have um uh what's his name? Uh Neil's older brother Mitch, played by Casey Affleck. Awkward. Um <laughs> but uh he's he's uh a jock. Uh he like keeps he like references that he doesn't do steroids, and then uh he they get in a car crash and like his car you just see supplements just fly everywhere. (gasps) I miss the supplements. Oh no. Yeah. So it's, it's, they're rolling down a hill and you see like just a big, it looks like maybe a protein powder uh, container shoot up. Then you also see like two or three little like pill bottles also pop up. Oh geez.
1: Is this as they, as they roll into the parking lot, is that, is it that kind of final
0: part? uh yeah it's like maybe halfway through like when they're on yeah. their way to the town hall
1: yeah um well perhaps i'll watch that again but probably not just to see supplements flying um, yeah mitch i enjoy the following two things about him one his shower cap again very silly detail but exactly really great and his body shape which is this like inverted triangle with you know three foot wide shoulders and then looking <laughs> like a I don't know, 14 inch waist or something like
0: that. Well, it's something that like you would like you would probably more likely see like this unrealistic character makeup for like a princess character, or, like any yeah. female character in a kid's movie, but like yeah, he's the one that's like very much obsessed with body stuff. Like um, you see there's an early shot in the movie where Norman's parents are talking to him and like his dad has a really huge belly and but his mom also has like a little bit of a belly, like she has some weight. Sure. Uh, and there's an IMDb thing where it's like she might be pregnant, and I don't know why they just like have that just hanging there, but they don't really ever talk about it. Weird. So that's also a possibility. But like, there is a more realistic, like portrayal of different bodies in this movie, except mm-hmm. for Mitch because he's not doping, um,
1: right? But he calls them deltoids, also. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Love it. Uh,
0: and then he's later uh, revealed to be gay, which I was just like, okay. Fine. representation yeah uh and uh, some uh some like media outlets that are like more conservative leading were like oh now we have to have like this conversation with our kids and like we don't want to bring that into our home uh so that was uh nancy french of the national review uh said that that might uh Ugh. like they might have to quote answer unwanted questions about sex and homosexuality on the way home from the movie theater so fun, <sighs> fun job, Nancy. But also a yeah. lot of other people have pointed out, like actually uh, uh, I was talking about this movie with my boyfriend a while ago and he said that like there a character does just kind of like, like at one point just randomly say that they're gay and it's not really referred okay. to again. Uh, but it's just kind of like unremarkable. Like it's not a thing that if you watch the movie again or like there's any kind of hints leading up to it, it's just kind of like, it's almost used as a punchline, but uh, like- there's something about just the nonchalantness of it that like is kind of refreshing in a movie. Exactly.
1: Exactly. It's like, he's a gay character who's not there because he's gay. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um Yeah. Uh And gosh, what this was being made eight, nine probably started getting scripted 10 plus years ago. Like it, it was a different world. Than
0: something exactly. Now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, like Proposition Eight was still being discussed yeah. uh, around then, oh. which oh man, one of the best funny or die videos. Good oh, times. God. Um, <laughs> but uh, we might as well kind of talk about now, uh, like as we're winding down a little yeah. bit. So, like, what what do we think this movie is trying to say? Um, like, I, I I think like th- for most of the movie, I thought it was this thing of like not judging people by their outwardness and kind of, uh, you know, not making assumptions based off of that. But then towards the very end of the movie, when uh, Norman kind of saves the day with this witch girl that was like wreaking havoc on the town, it seemed to be um, even an even more nuanced thing about uh, like people experience trauma and it's, it's okay to have experienced trauma, but like seeking revenge and then instilling trauma on other people then makes you either just as worse uh, just as bad as your abuser and it's it's really like hard to grapple with thing that like Nancy from the National Review was talking about the kids would have to answer questions about homosexuality no you're gonna have to talk about like what does it mean when somebody is mean to me and hurts me like why shouldn't I try to like defend my own honor and like seek revenge on them like that's a
1: that's a better question
0: yeah yeah Pixar has uh, not addressed that yet. Is that, no. is that kind of the takeaway that you got from this? Um, I don't
1: think I quite got the, the trauma level, but I'm, I'm really glad that you brought it up because it is such a such a more, um, not just deep and complex, but like um, sensitive issue mm-hmm. to bring up through a movie like this, um, which could have been played, Like the whole thing could have been played just for laughs and gross outs. Um,
0: and it and could yet. have just been like, this. okay, this witch was evil and yeah. the zombies are gone and the day is saved.
1: Exactly. Um, and yet it, it addresses like communication within families, I think around this kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I almost wish we had a bit more movie to, to, to discuss uh, <laughs> this particular angle on uh, what I saw. It was less about the trauma and like individuals as it was, it was about like mobs and communities and the dangers in um, kind of listening to too many people without taking all the perspectives into account.
0: Yeah, um, it, yeah, it like was, I, like what we were saying about uh, earlier, how like there's this one guy at the very end of the movie that's just like, yeah, I mean, I can't believe. Like, I was just kind of see- following yeah. what this group was going into. I don't know who started it, and like he was one of the people that started it. Started it
1: completely. Um, yeah, it's just really very odd to watch <laughs> this movie in the summer of 2020 and yeah. think about. What does it mean to burn down your town, mm-hmm. um, quite li- quite literally, um, just because some other people are doing it, um, and then shrug it off as, oh, haha, what a funny thing we all did, kind of. <laughs> um, uh, the, the connection I was going to make earlier is uh, why do all the movies I, I talk about on Conflicts end with um, city <laughs> city records departments? uh <laughs> paperwork while an angry uh violent situation happens outside its walls. Like that
0: was <laughs> the Blues Brothers think and I was like And you could argue because most
1: most movies aren't like this. I think. Yeah,
0: but you could argue that because Norman is like seeing uh ghosts, like he's a soul man.
1: Ah uh, uh, <laughs> I'm upset. I gotta go. Okay. That was great. That was so great. Thank you. Oh man. <laughs> well
0: I i also wonder though if Uh, Because I'm especially thinking of the last shot in the movie where Norman's watching a scary movie with uh, the ghost of his grandmother and then Mm -hmm. his whole family joins him. I wonder if that's also um, kind of uh, a statement and kind of talking about people uh, with cognitive differences. And like, this might be me going out on a ledge, but just like how at the beginning of the movie, uh, his father in particular is like, like your grandma died, get over it. Like we're all moving on. And then at the end of it, he, like, asks his son, is your grandma there? Yeah. Is she sitting next to me? Yeah. And then he turns to what he sees as nothing and goes, hi, mom. And yeah. then they they all kind of gather and watch together. Because then it also kind of goes back to different parts in the movie, how, like, his classmates uh, kind of ignore Norman and kind of ostracize him a little bit. And are just, Mm-mm. like, teasing him for, like, things that are just what he sees and feels and goes about his day.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that, th- that, rings true on a lot of levels of, um, differences in how people understand the world, whether it's, um, through, um, neurological wiring or, or just simply viewpoints, I think as well. Sure. Um, it's just allowing to have others' perspectives influence yours. And it doesn't mean that you have to hundred percent buy in, um, but you have to kind of respect where they're coming from and try to see things from their angle.
0: Um, exactly, kind of like uh, my therapist says. Like, if it's something that isn't bothering you and isn't bothering somebody else, then it's totally fine.
1: Oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> shout yeah. out. <laughs> uh. um, yeah, this this movie ended up doing a lot of uh, like scratching away at things for me that I didn't expect to do, uh, and I think that was that was a lot of fun.
0: Exactly, um, I was just very surprised in general by this yeah. movie.
1: Yeah. Um, and it also reminds me, I haven't seen Inside Out, which people are telling me is phenomenal about dealing with like feelings and uh, trauma and kids.
0: Yeah, if you wanna if you wanna talk about like a very interesting, nuanced uh, conversation about emotion and uh, like s- states of mind, it's yeah. it's who it's the one to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but, so now is the part of the podcast where we rate everything on a scale of zero to five and where we will compare it to all of the other movies that we have reviewed. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll, this movie will be on the same level as blues brothers. Um, So, uh, so Neil, uh, I'm going to let you go first uh, rate on a scale of zero to five. You can be as minute and specific with your uh, number as you would like.
1: Sure. Um, I'm going to give it a nice three and a half. Nice 3.5. Um. Is it a movie I want to rewatch? Honestly, not really. I was glad I watched it um, felt like a good use of time. And also just like the right, the right level for a lot of things. Um, I would recommend it to people who I think want to take it on. Um, but it is, it is more layered than simple entertainment and it, it might not be to everybody's taste.
0: Totally. Um, personally though, I, I maybe I was just in the right mindset when I started watching it, but I really enjoyed this movie. I like, I was surprised that it was, uh, you know, at the nuance that we've been talking about, um, just kind of how everything clicked together. Yeah. Um, so, for that reason, I'm gonna kinda going to be kind of going kind of higher than you, and I'm giving this a uh, 4.675. Wow. So cr- wow very the- high. Thank you. Uh, crunching the numbers, we're giving uh Paranorman a score of 4.0875, which okay, okay. uh puts it right above uh the Disney short film Donald and Math Magic Land and puts oh. it right below Ratatouille.
1: Dang. So definitely imagine, nothing. Imagine if I'd liked it more, it would have been possibly <laughs> beaten out
0: Ratatouille. Definitely um, nothing to shake a stick at. Um, no. But Neil, thanks so much for coming on again. Uh, Is there anything you'd like to plug today?
1: Ross, thank you so much for having me. A couple of things to plug, if I'm allowed multiple.
0: Of course.
1: Uh, One is I I perform with The N Crowd uh, about once a month on Twitch or other streaming platforms. Um, That's phillyncrowd.com, and uh, find us there. Um, And I would love people to follow me on Twitter, um, where I'm at Neil P, P as in Peter, Bardhan, uh, you can find that spelled out in the show notes, uh, right. and at some point I will announce a project that will come out in the next, let's say, six weeks of, of this wow. episode being released. Uh, I don't want to give away the title or exactly where it's happening. A lot of things are under um, under wraps at the moment, or just plain not figured out. So there.
0: Well, wow. Um, okay. But <laughs> I, I have
1: something that will be pretty exciting, and uh, Ross, perhaps you'll appear in that at some point.
0: What? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, maybe I have an idea, but I won't say it out loud. We can discuss after we're done recording. Uh, but uh yeah, and uh we just had you Neil, know, we just had your uh one of your teammates, uh Nick Elmer on a few weeks oh, yeah. ago. And yeah, uh of course Fucking Surf theater. Ninjas. That was a
1: that was a fun episode.
0: Oh uh, thank you. Yeah, the uh, definitely End Crowd is a good time. Uh especially if you're in Philly and once we are able to see things live again. But yeah, uh-huh. virtually uh just as good in thank my you. opinion. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, uh, same as always, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, rate and v- review us wherever you listen uh, to your podcast, because that really helps us out. But that is all for today. We will hear you in a fortnight and go go gadget and show.